You're listening to Hooked on Fly Fishing on Planet FM 104.6. Derek Grzelewski was born in Poland in 1964 and grew up behind the Iron Curtain with mountaineering and books as his most formative experiences. At 22, he escaped the communist regime by climbing over the mountains into Slovakia, making his way to Austria, then the UK, and finally New Zealand. New Zealand provided a fertile soil for Derek's many passions, especially his writing. He quickly established working relationships with several magazines. He also worked as a high-rise window cleaner, professional diver, and a freelance film cameraman, specialising in stunts and underwater photography. In 1993 came his first big break, an assignment for New Zealand Geographic magazine. Derek has been a contract writer and photographer for the magazine ever since, completing some 40 major stories to date. His geographic work led to many overseas assignments, notably for Australian Geographic, GEO, Reader's Digest and the Smithsonian, providing him with a passport to travel the world. At the same time, following a newly found passion for fly fishing, Derek became a professional guide and for several years led successful trout safaris. As a result of these experiences is his collection of fly fishing stories called The Trout Diaries, a fly fisherman's year in New Zealand, which has been published by Bateman Books. Derek lives near Wanaka on the edge of the Mount Aspiring National Park and when not writing or reading, he fly fishes for trout, enjoys backcountry skiing and long walks, all of which provide ideal mind space for dreaming up new stories. Now, Derek's with us now. He's welcome to Hooked on Fly Fishing. Good evening, Colin. How are you, Derek? Very good. Very good indeed. Thank you. Now, was Poland too restricting for a young man? Uh, well, it, at the time when I was a young man, it was. It was a, a very strict um, communist country. I mean, now it's you know, completely different as part of the of Europe. Yes. The greater Europe, you can drive through. I'm told from London to Belarus without, you know, even ever showing your passport. But um, back then, things were quite different. It was very. I mean, at the time, um, in sort of early 80s, it was a very heavily militarized um, country. You know, I I watched tanks rolling past my uh, my parents' home, and you know, soldiers on the streets with with rifles, and it was it was quite. Um, quite difficult to, um, you know, if you have a sense of freedom, <laughs> it, it was not a very good environment to be in. I understand. Did you find a form of freedom here, Derek? Uh, yes. Well, you know, New Zealand is, is um, uh, not just, you know, by comparison to, to the old communist country, but to any, uh, any country in the world, really, uh, a, a very easy place. You know, you, you can basically do whatever you want, uh, providing you're not harming anyone or anything you know yeah. it, it's it's a very good um place to sort of unfold your wings if you like we are lucky aren't we we are very much that's yeah. right okay how did you get into fly fishing how did that come about derek well i have been um a magazine writer and photographer and you know always looking for for things for uh, ideas adventures and very early on, I, I did a story on, on fly fishing um, for uh, uh, an airline magazine. And, um, you know, from I went out with a guide and he kind of taught me the basics. And um, it was interesting. It was a, a sort of a sense of recognition, really. It wasn't that, um, you know, I, I was um, 
like many other activities I've done, it was uh, it was like I, I, I knew I, this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You know, um, I think we uh, fly fishermen are born, you know, that way. Uh, we we it might take a while to arrive at the point of the recognition, but but when you do, you you really know that this is something. It is so deep that you know this is what what. What we're going to do? I, I understand because it's completely different from other sorts of fishing, isn't it? You well, know, you've I, got the dynamics of a river, the environment. You know, there is a lot of uh, you know. F for me, what what's really interesting, fascinating about fly fishing is that it engages on many levels. Um, you know, it engages physically because, um, you know, at, at, at um, say the the side fishing level you know you walk a river you cross it many times you know you put in a 10-hour day it, it, yes. it, it, it's a good workout you know you really feel it um, and it engages intellectually because you know we always try to figure things out and, and the usual the usual scenario is that you know we see a fish and it's feeding and we can't catch it <laughs> and so we try to you know, start figuring things out and that leads into a whole whole, um, you know, host of subjects of, of entomology, of, you know, learning about insects and and their life cycles and, you know, what the trout feed and when, and then re leads into um, learning the, the, the topography of river, how the river works. I mean, one of the most satisfying um, things I find in fly fishing is to to be able to read the river and, and predict where, where the fish would be and then go there and find them. And be successful, then you think, oh, yes, I've known. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, it's very, you know, it is sort of almost thinking like a fish. I mean, it, you know, we, we probably like to think the fish are more intelligent than they really are, because I remember this uh, advertisement in a magazine for, I think it was for Tippet or something, and there was um, a beautiful rainbow trout and, and a caption saying something, you know, brain the size of a pea fancy your chances <laughs> and yes. so you know but 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 i think w where we where we can um you know we need to tune into this environment of the trout uh, of trout and you know they are they are the top predators you know they are they are it in their in their environment and you know we are hunting them we need to tune into that and and that's part of the the appeal i think of fly fishing and for trout and then th there's, there's other levels to um, fly fishing that they're a little bit more esoteric um, and, you know, not often mentioned, not often discussed, and yet, you know, there's, there's more to it than just catching fish. There is, um, you know, the being in the environment of the rivers, something happens to a human psyche, human mind, maybe human soul even, you know, in that place. Um, and I think... Ultimately, that that sort of keeps us coming back um, to to that environment, be it lakes or rivers. Um, you know, the, the trout is, is a good reason to be there, but there's more to it than, than that. That's right. And the good thing about trout, I've found, Derek, is that they only live in clean environments. Um, you won't find trout in a sewer. Yeah, they'll no. drop back, they will move upstream, they will get away from yeah. the clean water. Yeah. So when yeah. you're fishing for trout, you're fishing in pretty much pristine areas, aren't you? Yes, well, you know, one of the things that um, I'd like to say early on here is that we forget, we, you know, we maybe some of us fishermen don't know that, but 
you know, in the world of fly fishing, New Zealand is really number one. I mean, there, there is no better place. And I know that uh, from um, not so much from my own experiences because I've never really fished um, fly fish elsewhere. I mean, I did a little bit in, in Brazil and Argentina, but but I've, I have quite a lot of friends who, you know, I call call the, the trout bohemians, you know, people who come from all over the world, they come to New Zealand and they come to fish and they, you know, they live in their cars and their campers and, and you know, the, the traditional word for description would be trout bums, but they're not really bums, you know, they they retired doctors and lawyers and there's a couple of antique dealers from Geneva, you know, they, they, they're very well-to-do people, I mean, um, well-traveled, well-educated, you know, they, they're not your sort of bum. Yes, I can. And they, these people are so hooked on it, they just move around the world fishing. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they do. And, you know, they, they can go anywhere. They can go to Alaska, they can go to Patagonia, to Siberia, and, and most of them come here because they say, you know, there is no better place for trout. And what you were saying about trout, you know, preferring clear waters, it's it, it, the fact that, that we have such an amazing trout fishery in New Zealand, it speaks volumes about the quality of our water, you know, and it is really that simple. I mean, if trout, the biologists consider trout an indicator species of, yes. of the purity of water, and, and, you know, the bigger the trout, the better, the more of them. The, the number of trout, probably it's not as indicative, but the size, you know, the bigger the trout, it, it basically you know, tells you about the water quality. It's not always so straightforward. You know, you go to Matara River in Southland, and, and it really is not very pretty side further down, and yet, you know, it, it has amazing trout fisheries still. But on a whole, you know, the, the better the water quality, the yeah. better trout. And in New Zealand, you know, as I said, we this is, this is the place. This is, you know, what, what the Himalayas are to mountaineers from around the world, New Zealand is to, to fly fishers for that, trout. That's a very good analogy. Yes, a mountaineer would want to climb the Himalayas and fly fishers want to come to New Zealand. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Now, some time ago, Dirk, you set up the Wanaka Fly Fishing Academy and you, um, you worked as a guide. Now, that's a pretty tough job. Can you tell us quickly about <laughs> being a guide? It is a very tough job. <laughs> a warning. It comes with a warning to all the young guys, you know, wanting to, to get into it. Um, yes. I, I have. I mean, it was. It was. A, it seemed a natural progression, you know, because um, you you start to spending a lot of time on the river and, and want to spend even more. Um, it's a sort of all-consuming passion, especially once you know the, there's a sort of a critical mass of experience and knowledge that after which you know you you start catching fish and expecting to catch fish and it's. It's you know every day you go every time you go out something is happening and it's it's a, it's um, um, it you know wants you to do more of it and so I thought well you know a natural thing would be to um, do it for a job and um, I'm I'm very interested in learning you know, new things and and um, and so I thought well you know there is plenty of guides but there's not a lot of um, places you can learn to fly fish so. I, I set up this Wanaka Fly Fishing Academy and, um, you know, set up a shop and, and had clients from all over the world. And unfortunately, uh, an, an interesting thing happens that um, 
I don't know. Some somehow um, people who hire guides they they expect shortcuts. You know, thinking that that hiring a guide um, is a shortcut to success, and in many ways it is. But on a whole, I found there was a very few people who were prepared to to put in the time um, and effort required to to learn to to mm-hmm. fish, to fly fish, to cast. You know, um, it's all very well to to. Um, do it on a grass, but then you know when you, when you get into a real live fishing situation where you have you know matagari all around you and the high bank and the current and and there's a lot to it. It's all different, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Right. And um, so the the teaching started to evolve into guiding more and more because that's what that's what the people were you know, asking for. Um, and I found it quite unsatisfying because you know. Um, I think we need to to lift our games a little bit, and there's no shortcuts worth taking in fly fishing. You know, to me, um, figuring things out, learning new things—it's all part of the enjoyment of it. And um, and um, it wasn't really happening. And and so once it became a, a real straight guiding job, I, you know, I very quickly <laughs> started losing interest because. Um, I mean, John Garrick wrote in one of his books that, you know, the, the fishermen he would like to guide, they don't want a guide. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, one thing I found, and we all fish for different reasons and um, our individual personal reasons. And the, the people who generally who hire guides, they, uh, my reasons for fishing were very different from there. They were not compatible, so... Okay. Eventually, I moved out of it. I um, the Wanaka Fly Fishing Academy is still going. Um, a couple of my friends, um, fellow guides, are running it, and they're very successful with it. But I've sort of moved away from it and um, into full-time writing. Um, okay, you've got a lovely quote in the book from a um, a Scottish guide who was interviewed and said, "What are the prerequisites for being a guide?" Do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the ability to yawn with one mouth with one's mouth closed. <laughs> that sort of sums it up brilliantly, doesn't it? Uh, sometimes. I mean, you know, please don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the clients I had, I've had, um, you know, they still keep coming back yes. and they've become friends. And you know, we we um, we fish as friends. I, I don't guide anymore. Um, but it's on a whole, it's quite rare. You know, I think as fly fishermen, you know, we. Um, there are two sort of sides to it, really. One, one is that you know we like the higher challenge because because um, there are easier ways to catch a fish than, than on a fly. Although, on you know, if you really get good at it, it's probably no better way. But at the beginning, you know, there's much easier ways to catch trout. And then um, there is that sort of image of fly fishing as that sort of you know very um, well-to-do, almost aristocratic sort of uh, pursuit and I think uh, in some circles it does you know seem to be a good thing to to come to fly fish in New Zealand and you know the same way you play golf or you belong to a club you know that's something to be acquired uh, but it's quite difficult because the entry level into you know successful fly fishing in New Zealand is quite high and you know New Zealand is known for 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 big fish for side fishing and and you know you, you need to be really quite good to you know go into backcountry and and see a, a big fish and, and catch it because you only get 
a couple of casts and it can be quite frustrating and I think being a good guide is, is more a, a personality trait than than um, you know being a good fisherman although that that's required too okay I understand on um, part of your um, your trout safaris you came across an American angler called Henry Spencer you talk about him in the book a couple of times a very interesting character can you tell us a bit about him please Derek yes I was um, you know researching new waters new places to go and uh, and on one of those um, trips I met Henry and and um, I was amazed because it was actually on Eglinton River in Fiordland on the way to Milford Sound and beautiful river amazing scenery quite a lot of fish though quite hard to catch because you know the, there's a road going all the way along um, uh, the road to Milford and so I was fishing there and um, walking upstream and and the wind picked up northwesters as always you know uh, your listeners would relate whichever way you fish you always get a headwind <laughs> and and so I, I pretty much gave up it was impossible to cast and I was walking back and I saw this gentleman fishing and he just you know changed his gear turned around and, and was fishing downstream and I thought well that's very keen you know and I just said well you know I'm uh, I had my, I have a, a four-wheel drive camper which I use for fishing, and and eventually it got so windy he, he came down as well, and we, you know we had a drink in the in the truck and got talking, and and the interesting thing about these trout bohemians that I've mentioned that you know once you start fishing around the country, you start bumping into the same people um, without any sort of preordained. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, appointments or, or making you know time to meet because simply because you know they all know where and when the fishing is good and they follow certain you know whether it's hatches or, or certain events and and trout um, fishing calendar and so it's very likely you know without making any um, arrangements to meet the same people um, several times during the season and and so I keep bumping into Henry a couple of times and the next year, you know, same thing and um, and then I think it was the second year that that um, by that time I, I've got to know him a little bit and you know he was very much like like um, the the main character in, in, in Dead Poet Society, you know, um, oh, not nice. as flamboyant as Robin Williams, but same sort of same sort of energy about him and um, I really just like to hang out with him and fish with him and he always learned something new and you know he had stories to tell and at that time he said you know um, I have really bad news um, I've been diagnosed with cancer and um, you know given maybe six or nine months to live and that really rattled me you know because um, we we all have these ideas these plans you know we, we're all going to do all these things and travel and you know um and, and it's all very much in the future. And, and suddenly, you know, what if, if there is no more time? Um, like in case of Henry, you know, if, if time is very limited. And, um, and somehow it really just keeps nagging at me. It's, you know, what, what if that happened to me? You know, what would I do? And, and sort of that was the idea for, for the diaries, really. You know, if, if, if this was my last year, you know, what would I do? And, and, Henry decided, you know, he would he would fish. He would fish until the last day. And and he even had, you know, he wrote a couple of letters. One he carried with his with his license and his vest. 
one he left um, in his car and basically said, no, whoever finds him on the, on the bank, um, it's fine. You know, that's how he was meant to be. It's an amazing story, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like his attitude. Um, you've got a uh, little paragraph in the book there. You say, Henry Spencer would not wait around. He would not plan for the weather, the conditions, the likelihood of crowds. He would go and fish regardless. I think there's a lesson for us all there, isn't there, Derek? As you say, we can't wait around. Time is just ticking by all the time. Well, you know, it's it's easy to just think, well, there's always time, you know, mm. we can do it next year, wait for better weather, or, you know, the hatch is not so good, uh, we'll, you know. And, and um, you know, there was a real urgency in his, in the way he lived, you know, a real sort of carpe diem, you know, seize the day thing, because you know, every day could have been the last day. That's right. And, uh, a great attitude. Yeah. Now, there are lots of books about how to fly fish or where to fly fish, but Trout Diaries is, is different than that. Um, you're more into the meaning of the rivers, the nature of the encounter with the fish, the relationship one can develop with a, um, a, a river or a, an environment. And yet what you've done is uh, v very clever, I think. You've, each chapter is a month of the year. And you talk about where you fished in that particular month and the characters you met, or, or a Henry Spencer or whatever. Now, you seem to have a a favouritism for, shall I say, sight fishing and dry fly fishing in the summer, Derek. You, you're particularly fond of that? Would I be right in saying that? Well, that's just one of the things. I mean, you know, I, I love sight fishing because mm. it's so... Um, so visual, you know, you, even if you're not catching fish, I mean, you, there's action all the time, you know, you see the fish, you see they come up, they refuse, they they do something, it's very um, engaging, um, and dry fly, of course, but, you know, I, I have, I mean, I I have another soft spot for, for winter fishing, sort of Tongariro style as well, I mean, I, I like the variety, and I guess that's why, you know, I follow the season around, month by month, because, you know, every month is different. It's something else. It's happening and at different places is, you know, a place to be, a different location, different river. And um, that was really um, what, what I was interested in. Yeah, and obviously um, summer dry fly fishing down in Matara or where you're down in Clutha or whatever. Um, winter comes. Um, the insect flights in hibernation, the brown trout are spawning. A lot of the water's closed in the South Island. You, as you say, you move north in, um, what, June, probably, and you fish the Turang area, but totally different style of fishing, isn't it? You're fishing, presumably, heavy nymphs, um, smelt patterns, fishing across and down. Would that be right? No, typical winter fishing. Well, the, the, totally the typical Turangi um, Taupo style would be, you know, a shooting headline with yeah. with um, probably uh, something like a booby pattern or, you know, um, woolly buggers or smelt um, fished as an you know, imitation of a, of a juvenile trout. Um, that is, I mean, you know, the, the, I, I love the Taupo area because it's so rich in, in you know, tradition. And, you know, you go to Tongariro or Taronga Taupo and every pool has a name, you know, yes. <laughs> it's a story. And, and it's, you know, it's been going on for, for, for 150 years. Um, and, um, you know, interesting thing overall in North Island, I found that that is um, probably more places that you can find to have to yourself because... In, so in the south, I mean, the, the, the geography, the topography is different. 
you know, all the major rivers have roads following them. So, um, well, the major one anyway. And, and, you know, in, in North Island, the, the land being volcanic, the, the topography is much more twisted, sort of folded on itself. So the access is not always, um, obvious and, 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 you know, requires quite a lot of local knowledge and research. And, and, you know, you, you can much easier, I think, find, um, private water, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just talking about private water, um, one of the differences you may have noticed from um, from Europe to here is that we don't have to pay to get onto private water. You imagine you're fishing the test in England. Yeah. People pay hundreds of pounds for half a day for a hundred metres of bank. Yeah. We're very lucky we don't have that system here, at the, I believe, anyway. Yeah, you've got a, f a fishing license, and you can. It works out you can fish three sixty-five days a year for something like thirty-one cents a day. It's <laughs> fantastic. I think, isn't you know, it? we we forget that, and, yes. and you know, I often, especially from the older generation, you know, you you hear and complains that you know fishing's not as good, not as good as it used to be, and all that. You know, I think we need to keep things in perspective. It is still amazing, and it's mm -hmm. still the best place in the world. I mean, I I have fish with people who have been to Iceland to fish uh, Atlantic Salmon River where it costs 10,000 US dollars a day Ooh, you know and it's a private river there's four rods on it and you know we, we just we, we have the same quality okay no Atlantic Salmon unfortunately but you know trout Yes. Um, we have the same quality here for, for next to nothing yes, and true. you know we, we just really um, you know, part of my sort of, um, I've been giving talks at, you know, fishing clubs and, and to go with, with the launch of the book. You know, we, we just really need to be aware of how, what we have here. It's very easy to, to forget, very easy to become complacent about, you know, um, that it's not as good or, or there's something wrong, but, you know, it, this is still the number one place to fish for trout in the world. Very good point, Derek, yes. Now, and, um, the June chapter, when you're talking about fishing Taupo Turangiri, you mentioned that Zango, Zane Gray, the famous American author, he <laughs> tried to buy the Tongariro River. I hadn't heard this before. <laughs> he tried to buy the bloody river. Well, I think it was very <laughs> early. Yeah, it was very early. Um, I think the land, you know, the settlements were not quite sort of in yeah. place. And, and he was, I mean, he, he had a good go at it. And, and um, <laughs> it's very, very good uh, uh, call that it was stopped. But, um, yeah, he, he definitely tried to do it. Imagine if that had gone ahead. Um, gosh, it would be totally different. Now, I hadn't heard that story before. Very interesting. Now, on page 96, um, you've got a lovely uh, sentence here, and I'll quote it if I may, Derek. Sums up uh, fly fishing to me. All the science in the world cannot model the next day's fishing or assure that the magic we seek will happen, for that comes in its own time, and all we can do is to be there, prepared, ready to receive it. That, that's a lovely quote, isn't it? Oh, thank you. It's you know, very I, good. I think um, there is a lot of... Um, well, there is a lot of angling literature full stop. You know, you go to the library, it's, it's, um, yes. there's a lot of books. There's probably no other animal or species that, you know, inspired so much writing as trout. Um, 
and yet a lot of it is it's very much on how to and and you know how it is with with fishermen you know everyone has their own opinion their own idea and and they'll they'll insist to tell you about it and um Oh, you know, I find that the more you fish, and, and maybe it comes with, with really a lot of mileage, you know. I mean, when I was guiding, um, I'll, I would do more than 100 days a year, a season. Yes. And, you know, that went on for, for, for quite a few years. And maybe it comes with that. But, but you come to understand that, you know, you cannot really figure it out. <laughs> I mean, the, the, and a good thing, too, because, you know, if you could, it, it would probably would lose interest. It would lose and, its magic, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, there is a certain amount of knowledge to be had and, you know, the best gear and the flies and all that we can we can really, you know, hone and, and make sure it's the best and especially our skills, you know, with casting and landing and line management and all that. But there's a huge element of, of the, the mystery and, you know, you can go one day and I have a few examples of it in the book. You can go one day and, and you know, you're invincible. Everything happens and you go the next day, the very next day. Yes. Everything is the same except that, you know, you, you cannot touch a fish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, and you think, why? And, and there is no answer to it. <laughs> well, as you said, if we, if we knew all the answers, we wouldn't do it anymore. I probably wouldn't do it. I mean, it is always a surprise, you know. It's always like unwrapping, a, you know, your, your Christmas present, you, and you don't know what's in it. <laughs> exactly right. Very well said. Very well put. Um, the last sentence in Trout Diaries, I'll give you this again, Derek. Trout are unpredictable, and as long as they continue to be so, we shall pick up our rods and head for the river, hoping to solve the mysteries of trout, knowing all too well that we cannot. Now, that to me is the essence of fly fishing, Derek. And it's very well captured in Trout Diaries. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations. Thoroughly enjoyable and a highly recommended read, uh, listeners. Now, Trout Diaries, available all good um, bookstores, Derek? Uh, yes, it's uh, any any sort of brick and mortar yes. uh, traditional bookstore. And it's several online stores. And it's available directly from the publisher. The, the prices vary. Uh, if you shop around, you, you know, you can get some deals. But... Um, it's definitely available um, worldwide now. Um, it's um, yeah, it, even um, in Australia, and it can be. There is um, the Fish Pond um, shop um, offers free worldwide shipping um, anywhere in the world. Okay, and um, you've got a very good website. Can you give us that, please, Derek? It's www.derekgrizelski.com. Um, I, I mean, if you Google it, uh, it will come up. It's probably easier than to spell it. <laughs> Polish names are not not so easy to 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 uh, spell out in English ears. But um, uh, it's G R Z E L E W S K I. Derekrozelski dot com. Have a, I've had a look at the website. It's very very good indeed. Once again, congratulations on Trout Diary, a thoroughly enjoyable read, and um, thanks for talking to Hook Line Fly Fishing, and I have to say, Derek, that Poland's loss is very much New Zealand's gain. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, good fishing, and we'll talk to you um, sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Derek.